This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 31 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, May 10th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and in this episode, we look at the latest gameplay reveals for the Xbox Series X, debate the quality of the latest inside Xbox, and look forward to the summer announcements made during this summer's Game Fest. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And what a run it's been. Had a number of amazing guests on the show these past few weeks, from Mike Bithell to Andrea Renee, uh, to most recently having gamers outreach on, discussing bringing video games to children in hospitals who are there long term. And I hope you guys have all enjoyed it. I've also had the pleasure of being uh, a guest on a number of different shows over the past few weeks. DLC with Jeff Kanata. I've thoroughly enjoyed being with Mr. Boomstick XL on his YouTube shows, as well as Seasons Gaming's Bitcast and the Shop Podcast. I appreciate all of you for having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk video games with you. And to you, dear listener, who has downloaded this episode, and I'm looking forward to chatting and breaking down the latest Inside Xbox with you. And that is, of course, where all eyes are on after a week and, and a bevy of news that came out in this past week. Uh, Inside Xbox takes the cake as monopolizing uh, a number of the discussions people are having in its wake because it was touted to be a gameplay reveal episode of third-party display uh, on the Xbox Series X, meaning that gamers were looking towards this Inside Xbox with the expectation of seeing a, a healthy amount of gameplay and showcasing just what the Series X might bring to the table. All the more attention was paid to the Xbox Series X reveals because PlayStation has been quite quiet as to what it is they will be doing with PlayStation 5. A lot of speculation on both ends, Godfall being kind of the primary example of what people are expecting on that side. And so many gamers were looking forward to this because it's a third-party display, and a lot of the games that will show up on the Xbox stage are likely to also be on the PlayStation 5, and vice versa, I would imagine. However, I think a lot of people went in with expectations that were perhaps not tempered enough, and Microsoft earns uh, a bit of responsibility in that by perhaps misleading uh, themselves and their fans in the marketing in which they talked about. And we'll actually get to a quote by Aaron Greenberg on that exact topic, and it's worth breaking down uh, really because it shows that they are listening and taking feedback to fans. Now, first things first, in the idea of that feedback and in the vein of that feedback, there was an inside Xbox roughly a month and a half ago at this time that was the first work-from-home direct from the Microsoft community to the Xbox fans, and it was a successful attempt to communicate, but really showed a lot of the gaps and frustrations that might come from bringing a typically live, typically direct show 
uh, bringing it to gamers in a work-from-home format. And I thought this most recent Inside Xbox did a wonderful job at showcasing their improvements. They clearly took the feedback from a few months or a few weeks back and said, "How can we do this better?" And they delivered a much tighter, more succinct show with uh, more clear messaging in some respects and a bit vaguer in others. A number of games were shown. We cannot ignore that fact. 13 games, by my count, were showcased in the Inside Xbox, a number of them being exclusive, though not specifically touted as such. But in revealing a number of these games, and we'll talk about quite a few of them, we're not going to go game by game, but we will talk about a few of them, it highlighted an issue that comes with showcasing next-gen hardware in a work-from-home strategy without a live audience and in just what the differences between this gen and next-gen are. And that is to say, a lot of the features that we'll be seeing in the next-gen consoles are, are difficult to showcase in a format where you are compressing video images for streaming sake, going on to Twitch and Mixer and YouTube and bringing this inside Xbox to fans meant compression, compressing some of the trailers that we saw that we would typically see in ray-traced fashion or in a much higher fidelity than we were shown. When I was surveying the various channels that were showcasing this, now whether it be IGN or GameSpot streaming their own live reactions, smaller communities streaming their own live reactions, to the Xbox proper channels on YouTube and Mixer, there were healthy audiences on all. On Mixer alone, I saw at one point it peaked over 90,000 people watching the, the, the official stream. Uh, over on, on the Xbox page of Mixer, YouTube's numbers were even higher. Uh, and, and again, that's not counting third-party groups that were watching it with their fans and communities. So a lot of eyes and attention were on this stage. And in that respect, Microsoft did a great job in bringing attention to a lot of games that we perhaps wouldn't otherwise have been uh, looking at. Scorn, The Ascent, Chorus, these are games that I think... If they'd been in a show next to the next Shadow of Mordor game or the next Batman game, the next game from EA that, that was a major player in the Star Wars universe, if they'd been next to some of those AAA bangers, we might not have nearly the knowledge we have about them. So in that respect, I think Microsoft did a good job at building relationships and bringing people into the fold. On the other hand, a lot of people were tuning in expecting to see gameplay from a lot of these next-gen platforms, and specifically Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And while there was Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay on display, it wasn't necessarily what people was ex were expecting. And in, I know myself, I did not even believe it was gameplay. I thought it was just looking at a pre-rendered video. Uh, and, and there's debate in that. I was expecting several minutes worth of watching uh, our newest protagonist, whose name I, I am reluctant to pronounce because I, I always mispronounce it, uh, but expecting to see them in action as a player controlled and moved about the world. And I don't know that I saw that. I'm not confident that I saw that. We did see game play from a couple other games and uh, I was encouraged by that aspect but I will tell you right now if you watch this inside Xbox or if you watched it in real time it would behoove you to go back on your own time go to the specific trailers for the games that you are interested in or curious about and bump the fidelity as high as it'll go on a good monitor or good screen I did that after the show because I was down on seeing games like Chorus that I thought looked really cool it's a space flight game right uh, it's supposed to have ray tracing and be beautiful and be really just something on next gen that will blow your mind. And I'm watching the stream and I didn't really get that vibe. I look at it and I see, oh, this is a really cool game. It reminds me of Rogue Squadron, reminds me of the best parts of Star Fox, reminds me of Everspace, Star Lancer of old. I'm in on this game, but I don't know what it's doing that my Xbox One can't. 
Well, once I took the time to go to YouTube and watch the video and bump the fidelity up to, to, to its maximum and see it in 4K, I was blown away. And that was the big difference maker. Uh, if if I, though, have to highlight that, that aspect and go say, okay, I'm curious about this, and go do the work for Microsoft or for these third parties for PlayStation when that time comes, if I have to do the work to see what looks like next-gen, then we have a messaging problem between the mainstay communities that are interested in these games uh, and those who are passively interested in these games. In order to sell a console, oftentimes graphics are touted as a method of doing that. Hey, look from Nintendo to Super Nintendo. Look how much better it is. Uh, look at Super Nintendo going up to Nintendo 64. Look how many more bits we have. Pixels per, per screen. Oh, look, we're at 132. Now we're not measuring the same... Me uh, methodologies. Now we're talking about teraflops. Now we're talking about ray tracing. Now we're talking about this, that, or the other. And those who are technically minded might be inclined to understand all that. But I, who uh, feel like a monkey, you know, banging his head against a, a refrigerator, I don't quite know what I'm talking about. So I need to see the pretty. I need to understand what it is that makes my Series X eventuality uh, be better than my current Xbox One X reality. And that was the, the, a bit of the messaging that I think they really failed to describe. If they were so forward-taking, at the very beginning of this Inside Xbox, Aaron Greenberg's on the screen hanging out in his uh, fake green screen kitchen with a, with an Xbox One or Xbox Series X refrigerator behind him. It was a great bit of humor. He talked about how it was going to be a third-party showcase and a lot of fun was going to be had, uh, but they, they were saving a lot of their primary stuff for an announcement in July. And that's exciting to know that, all right, July, we're going to hear about the Xbox first-party games, and you can imagine you'll also hear about pricing and whatnot then as well. But he said outright, hey, we're not going to have some of the things you're expecting. This is what you're going to see in this show. I think it would have behooved them to make a statement on some level and say, due to work from home and due to the streaming nature of this presentation, some of the, the best features that will showcase the visuals here uh, may not be available right off the bat. Instead, go to the you know, Xbox YouTube page or to this particular game's website and bump your settings up so you can really take advantage of what it is we'll be offering in the visual aesthetic category. A message like that might have been uh, something that is very clear in hindsight but difficult to realize uh, beforehand. It makes sense to me, though, that they go forward and they say, all right, we need to showcase what makes a game Series X specific versus Xbox One X or PlayStation 4 Pro. What makes this so much better? Because if the stream is compressed, it's going to look like a really nice Xbox One X game. And I don't want a really nice Xbox One X game if I'm paying four, five, six dollars $600 for a new system. So I think they need to navigate that particular aspect. They can go into depth in discussions and interviews about AI and power and allocating resources and network integration and power of the cloud even. Ugh, that, that phrase scares me currently uh, in the Xbox community. But they can go into that stuff later. But if it's a matter of me seeing prettier but I can't see it in real time, okay, release as VOD. That might be the way to go there. Release it as a VOD or have a message. Whoops, pardon me, I bumped my mic. Have a message that discusses that very aspect of, hey, we'll show you this, but you can go uh, seek it out on your own time. Let's look more specifically at the games that were, were shown because there were certainly a lot of them. And the real talk is if you can look at any games conference and walk away having seen 13, 15, 20 games and say that, oh, those three or four for me, then you've got a good conference right there because you want to appeal to everybody and not, none of us truly love everything equally. 
Well, I left with quite a few games that I was excited for and that really showcased Microsoft's strategy of building relationships with unlikely but talented partners. Uh, the first thing they showed out of the gate was Bright Memory Infinite. And if you're unfamiliar with this, it's hard to describe because the game looks like Crisis. It's made in, I believe, Unreal Engine by one person in China. It looks like Crisis, except you add in a grappling hook and you're battling knights of old with wooden shields and you've got a sword at one point. It reminds me of a more serious Shadow War type experience. The game is absolutely stunningly gorgeous and I believe its alpha is available on high-end PCs right now and Bright Memory Infinite which will be its completed successor is coming to Series X uh, later on this year I believe perhaps a little bit later I believe it's a launch window uh, title that game looked stunning and impressive and a lot of people have known about this game in the pc community but it's now being introduced to the console community and that is a strategy that microsoft is taking uh seriously it seems because they also did that with some a game called scorn scorn very much looked disturbingly grotesque in its appearance very reminiscent of alien uh or prometheus something uh, on that level of of uh I suppose we should say graphic intensity. The game looked gorgeous, like graphically it ran gorgeously, uh, but very phallic symbols, a lot of, of wet textures and moist a uh, apparatuses, and it really, uh, in its alien form, showcased that these systems will have the ability to break an uncanny valley to make their user both impressed and uncomfortable if they desire to. And it, it looked like a horror game. It looked like a, a game that is designed to push the system to its limits, provide a level of action. And again, we didn't see the gameplay, so I'm, I'm surmising this from a very detailed trailer. That game, Scorn, it looks like something I'm interested in, like I want to play it, but it was gross. It was gross and uncomfortable to watch. So those two games uh, really, really caught my eye right out the bat were Bright Memory Infinite and uh, Scorn. And there were two others, though, that really spoke to me as day one buys regardless. The first is Second Extinction by uh, Systemic Reaction. This is a game where you are on a planet with uh, up to two other partners, so you have three people total, and you're going around hunting and defending yourself from dinosaurs. And I was immediately in, because who doesn't want to play a game where you're hunting and defending yourself from dinosaurs? I thought when the trailer started, in fact, that we were looking at the next evolution of a Turok game. I wondered if it was a single-player game. It looked to be multiplayer co-op, maybe Left 4 Dead uh, meets Jurassic World. I don't know, but I was all in. This game looked super fun. First-person shooter, uh, taking on all different types of dinosaurs and all different types of uh, biomes and settings, and who knows where it goes from there. I was in on that. That was an exciting trailer for me. I was, I was all for it. Uh, the other one that was like a day one for me was a game called Chorus, and it's a third-person flight simulator game where you're battling in space. Think Rogue Squadron. Think... Uh, Star Lancer from the Dreamcast era. Think Everspace from more current times. I was so into this game. It's gorgeous. Going back and watching that trailer with 4K resolution on, knowing that it's got ray tracing and whatnot, absolutely stunning display of of graphical fidelity. But it, it was neat because it also looked like it could be straight out of Destiny's story in some ways. It's not, but it looked like it could be the flight version of a Destiny game with that level of... Uh, storytelling, and so I was I was in on that and, and excited by it. It looks really good. Again, that game's called Chorus, 
and it is another one. All the games that they showed, I should say, were optimized for Series X. They have this new badge that they're showcasing. Hey, this is optimized for Series X. Optimized for Series X. And I personally equate this to the games that are enhanced for Xbox One X. Enhanced for One X. Fine. Enhanced, optimized, whatever. Bottom line, the game should look good in the trailer that you're seeing it on. And that's neat. It's 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 corporate speak, and it's uh, PR usage is fine. But I also like knowing it. Like, oh, if the game wasn't an, uh, optimized for S or for X, Series X, then I'd be a bit disturbed or frustrated there. But I thought Chorus looked wonderful. If you are into flight, sim- flight combat games, I should say, uh, check this one out. It's really cool. Uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is another one that's coming to consoles that is uh, supposed to be in the same vein as well, which I'm, I'm stoked for. I thought also something worth noting in a number of the games they showed there was a clear connection to again attacking that Japanese or Asian market. We know from previous discussions that Microsoft is keen to get into the Asian markets by way of Korea, Japan and India, but and by usage of Game Pass as a as a platform and they're bringing in a number of Yakuza, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts titles by way of XCloud being available on mobile devices, something that is far more used and popular in a higher uh, in, in a place where the internet is is far faster than it is currently in the United States and in Europe. So by way of uh, xCloud, by way of Game Pass, and by way of the catalog they are offering. And in this Inside Xbox, we saw that Yakuza Like a Dragon would be launching day and date on the Xbox platform, and it would not be first to PlayStation or anything like that. And this is a big win, I think, because somebody that is creating a much-beloved title like Yakuza that is traditionally a PlayStation exclusive that is now fading away out of that exclusive realm, but was traditionally thought of in those PlayStation realms, showcases that Microsoft is trying to entice and bring in people uh, from that genre of game creation and put them center stage. We saw the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts creators uh, on an Inside Xbox or EXO event recently. We've seen uh, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and Yakuza be brought into Game Pass with steady pace, and they're continuing to do so. And I would venture to guess that you see plenty more Yakuza titles enter into Game Pass just before Like a Dragon hits uh, in its release window. If the producer was on the screen and he says Xbox Series X at launch or Xbox Series X uh, X in November, in December, awesome. He went on there and he talked about how it would be launching in October. Uh, I believe it's a smart delivery title, as so many of these were smart delivery titles. In fact, smart delivery seems to be a mainstay for nearly every third-party game that is going to be coming to the Xbox platform, with the exception of some strange oddities with EA, which we'll talk about in, in just a few minutes. But I was excited to see Like a Dragon in there, as it showcases yet again a, an intensity to build relationships uh, and, and bring a a game genre to a platform that might have been lacking it in years prior because what they are slowly doing is ticking away the games you can't get on Xbox. At one point, you bought a PlayStation, you had those great exclusives like God of War or Spider-Man, but you also had access to Yakuza and Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts in a way that you couldn't get on Xbox. They had a lot of JRPGs in a way that, that Atlas supported PlayStation but didn't necessarily support Microsoft. Now those others are fading away. There's a game coming called Scarlet Nexus that was showed off of this inside Xbox that looks to be reminiscent of, say, Astral Chain over in the Switch platform. And that's a game genre that I believe has been, uh, I think it's fair to say has been lacking in the Xbox space. And so to see them consistently addressing 
these gaming gaps that the system has and putting them forefront in a showcase like this event where they weren't going to be overshadowed by Batman, weren't going to be overshadowed by the latest Halo, there was no Star Wars announcement, nothing would occupy so much attention that these games weren't getting a shot at uh, getting spotlight is a it's a great thing and it's right out of the PlayStation 4's launch playbook. They threw up a splash screen with all the people they are working in in this inside Xbox and the PlayStation 4 did something very similar at the launch of the generation. It's smart. It shows that you are willing to work with people of all levels, double, triple A, and indie. It shows that you're willing to spotlight people on your stage in a time where with Summer Game Fest, you're afforded plenty of time to share those different uh, games. We can talk about gameplay all day. Was what we saw gameplay in many cases? No. In the case of The Ascent, absolutely. The Ascent is a wonderful ARPG, Diablo style in a noir cyberpunk setting. Looks awesome. I was so impressed with The Ascent. That for me is a day one as well. And the idea that it's coming to to the Xbox platform with smart delivery is all the more exciting because real talk, if if Series X is tough to find at launch. If it's priced at $400 and everybody wants it, if it's priced at $500 but uh, people are really high on the games that are coming and it's tough to find, or if there's just not a lot of them out there due to COVID production problems, then the ability to buy the game on your Xbox One and then upgrade it whenever you get to the Series X for free, that's dope. That's a smart thing to do. But the Ascent looked looked wonderful, and I was I was all in on that. And so many of these games were smart delivery. I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. At, le- at least nine of them look to be smart delivery titles, uh, and that's awesome. I look at my notes, and I see smart delivery. I see Xbox Game Pass for a few of them, like Scorn. Scorn's coming to Game Pass day and date. Super cool. Uh, the Medium, which is a horror game from Bloober Team. Uh, they worked on Blair Witch. That's coming to Game Pass day and date. Interestingly, The Medium, not, not a smart delivery title because it is Series X console exclusive. It is going strictly to Series X because what they want to do can't be done on the architecture of an Xbox One. It's not powerful enough. And I find that to be really interesting that the developers came out and said that. And I wonder what that means for the potential of the Series S that is often rumored. You know, if, if medium the Medium's Bloober team is coming out and saying, hey, we can't do this on current gen. We can only do this on next gen stuff. Okay, does that mean you're utilizing the power of the Series X or the infrastructure of the Series X? If you have a less powerful infrastructure in that same manner, like the Series S is rumored to be, okay, what do teraflops mean then if they have less than the One X? A lot of questions there, but super stoked to see that that was happening and that they've got another uh, Game Pass day and date game from Bloober Team because the Blair Witch title was, was wonderful. And this game, if you saw the trailer, oh man, Pregnant Lady, Angels and Demons, this is, whew. Blood and and as a horror game that I will probably play, maybe not right away, but I will I will play it more out of being, out of being nervous uh, for sure. But beyond that, there were other games. Masquerade, uh, Bloodlines two for the Vampire series was there. Dirt five was there. Call of the Sea was there. Of course, Valhalla we talked about. Uh, Madden twenty one was there in an embarrassing display of EA pretending to support this show, which. I I don't think it was I don't know if it was Microsoft or EA failing there, but I don't think that had nearly the effect of seeing the new Madden for two seconds, and it it didn't look 
at all impressive uh, in any notable way better than what you have on Xbox One X right now. And that is either my failure to spot what was so special about it or their failure to showcase it. But we know that one of the great lessons of communicating is the ability to send and receive messages and feedback. And I think a lot of people were looking back at this inside Xbox and expressing disappointment and frustration because they felt they were going to see new gameplay for a lot of these games. And while they saw gameplay, it wasn't what they expected. They were expecting more than than you know a few seconds worth of each game or a couple seconds of, say, The Ascent, which is an action RPG. And that's great, but does an action RPG like Diablo... Uh, done in, in this, this cyberpunk setting, does that really showcase a next-gen platform? If I showed you Pac-Man on Series X, would it be that impressive? Uh, and it's a reductive analogy, but is that the case that we're talking about? So people were admittedly frustrated, and I really appreciated Aaron Greenberg uh, coming out uh, on Twitter and, and saying a few things. He says, quote, had we not said anything and just shown uh, May inside Xbox show like we did last month, I suspect reactions might have been different. Clearly, we set some wrong expectations, and that's on us. We appreciate all the feedback, and I can, can assure you we will take it all in and learn as a team. End quote. And I liked this. I really liked this quote, not because I felt it was PR speak or pandering, because it felt sincere, because a lot of people were... I think disappointed, maybe not outraged. If anyone was outraged, maybe you, you set yourself at too high an expectation uh, for, for what you're talking about here. But it showed that people were really thinking one thing based on the marketing. And the simple fact is so many people are home and hearing an echo chamber of social media because there's nothing else to distract them. And so when they say things in marketing speak like, hey, we're going to show you gameplay for the Series X, the first gameplay of the Series X. Okay, you did for two, three seconds, but does that really is that really what was expected? Uh, no, and I think the fault lies on a couple different places there. Uh, and I appreciate the media PR team of Xbox noting that they had some some serious influence on this perception and making some adjustments for it. Cool. You know, Summer Game Fest is several months worth of events, and we'll see plenty of Series X titles that aren't going to be on a Series X stage. They'll be on a PlayStation 5 stage, they'll be on an EA stage, an Ubisoft, a WB, what have you. So we'll see plenty of games that are coming to this platform, and hopefully they all learn from this mistake. But I will, I will double and triple down on the idea that it was a good idea to have this inside Xbox, to have it be third-party specific, and as disappointed as I was not to see some bangers, really wanted to see Batman, really wanted to see a Star Wars something or another, it was probably a good thing to showcase these games that wouldn't have otherwise be seen. Would anybody really know what Scorn was that was coming day and date into their Game Pass service when it does come out? Would anybody have known that? If it had been overshadowed by Batman, would we have known and understood what Bright Memory Infinite was and all been excited for it, if not f for, for having the spotlight? What about Second Extinction? Looks like a double-A game. It looks looks like it's going to be a fun game. Maybe it doesn't get the triple-A love. Maybe it does. But would we all be talking about you know fighting raptors and whatnot and on the first of our Series X experiences? I, I don't know that we would. And so uh, there is a logic to that that might be more about building the relationships. And we're a gaming community that... Once people show us the new shiny, we're in on the new shiny. You know, as soon as we get something that, that we like, we will forget about what we dislike. Think about, look at the Switch right now. How much does the Switch do wrong when it comes to online infrastructure? And how quickly do we forgive Nintendo as a gaming community for those things when they give us uh, a new Kirby, a new Animal Crossing, a new Mario? Goodness gracious, a new Breath of the Wild too. Mm, excited. 
So take that for what you will. I thought Microsoft got a lot right and a lot wrong, and I, I, I graded it as a C plus, uh, where I was simultaneously disappointed and impressed, and I, I thought it was a strong C plus, and frankly, I enjoyed uh, a great deal of it. I also like the new format. They did interviews at the end, so people could check out if they didn't care about the interviews. Uh, that was a smart way to do it, and, and it addressed a lot of people's concerns about inside Xbox uh, there. For your parts, quite a few people wrote in and gave me their thoughts, and I thought I'd read just a few of them here on the air as an appreciation for just people responding and making the conversation great. It always helps to, to hear from, from the community about different things because it allows me to temper my thoughts and make sure I'm not being biased too far one way or another. But let's see what we got here. Uh, Secret Friends Reunite, Unites, right? Secret Friends Unite writes in and says, I was really impressed by the new IP and the range of games shown. I think Madden and Assassin's Creed were a missed opportunity as they didn't deliver much. I'm not seeing anything that screams only on next-gen so far, but as new games is a great start. All right, cool. I'm with you on that one, Secret Friends. I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I didn't see anything that said, you must buy a Series X for this uh, at the moment, you know? Shins, Shizno Elite wrote in, quote, uh, there were lots of games shown. Those disappointed, I don't understand... I don't understand. They showed games and people still whine. If you expect more AAA games, that's a you problem. They said it would be lots of smaller games, end quote. So he's, he's in the camp that, you know, they told you what it would be. Why are we disappointed? Uh, pay better attention as a consumer. Interesting. Okay. Adam Leonard wrote in, says he thought it was good. The medium has him super excited, and he's not sure uh, if they know what the word gameplay means over there. Nah, I tend to agree with you on that one. The last one came from Black Bishop, and he wrote in saying, Thought the variety of games was good. The biggest issue is it's being live as opposed to video on demand. The 4K60 YouTube feed was great and significantly better than the live stream. Maybe next time uh, they should do a Nintendo Direct-like show, since no live crowd, it would be better. I tend to agree with Black Bishop on that. Put it out as a VOD so people can up the fidelity on it and see the best that this has to offer visually. And I think that might solve a lot of their problems. Or at the very least, put a splash screen or message up saying, hey, you know, we're going to stream this or compress this, but if you want to see the best of the best, this is how you do it. I mean, if anything, if I'm Sony, I'm looking at that inside Xbox and saying, okay, I see what you did. I see this strategy. I like this strategy. I don't like this. And I'm going to adjust the PlayStation 5 announcement for this. Because at some point, we're going to hear about a PlayStation 5, I'm told. Goodness, with Last of Us 2 and Ghosts of Tsushima bearing down on the PS4's ending cycle, you have to imagine we're going to hear about the PlayStation 5 sometime. A few more stories popping up in this past week. News that we're going to be having an EA Play, EA's typical showcase event that they have during E3's time frame, uh, will be called EA Play Live this year, and it's going to kick off on June 11th. Now, June 11th is an important date for gamers to note because EA Play will be having their showcase as well as Cyberpunk 2077 having a show called Night City Wire. Let's first look at what EA Play has to offer here. at On June 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, on you know all the, the various sites, Twitch, YouTube, etc. Uh, EA is going to have world premieres, it's news about some of their games, and more, but they didn't really give into any specifics there. What I did note is that apart from their annual sports franchises like Madden, NFL, NHL, FIFA, etc., uh, they're going to have news about EA's Star Wars franchise, specifically Fallen Order, which they say is the start to a trilogy. They believe that uh, a Fallen Order sequel is going to be announced, or we believe that a Fallen Order sequel is going to be announced uh, and showcased there at that event. And that would make sense given the fact that we just got Fallen Order DLC, which I am so excited to jump in and try. I re-downloaded Jedi Fallen Order, which was one of my favorite games of last year, if not my game of the year. I go back and forth on what my game of the year was for, for 2019, 
but Fallen Order was just wonderful, and I loved it. I got every achievement, and I wanted more. And they added in uh, several aspects of a new game plus and an arena-based DLC where you can go in and fight the bosses, which if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that is something I've called for and requested and hoped for for months on end since I was done with the game. My only gripe, if I'm going to be petty about it, is that there are no new achievements added to my knowledge, and uh, that's a bummer for a goofball like me who has recently been playing through the Master Chief Collection to get more achievements and to have a good time. Get, I mean, I love hunting achievements. To me, that's a fun part of the Xbox ecosystem, and uh, I was bummed to see they didn't do that. But this EA Play is going to have uh, all, the, all the biggest franchises that they consider under their, their umbrella. I wonder if we'll see more from Battlefield as a franchise because they're delaying till 2021 with their next game. Dice is of course a a talented developer who just wrapped up the fin- final touches on Star Wars Battlefront 2, which really did come into its own at the end. Its final product is wonderful, uh, but man did it launch frustratingly. I'm also curious to see what we get out of BioWare. Is this Anthem reboot going to be on display here at this EA Play? Is, is are we going to see a Dragon Age, uh, a second stab at stab, a second stab at Dragon Age? Uh, in its rebooted form, will we see the Mass Effect, the rumored Mass Effect uh, trilogy remaster? Is that coming out? A lot of stuff could happen at EA Play, and like every time we talk about EA, I think a lot of us kind of cringe just a little bit, worry a little bit. Are we getting the EA that tried to give us all the loot boxes, or are we getting the respawn EA where they gave us Fallen Order, where they gave us Apex Legends? Are we getting the rebooted Star Wars Battlefront 2 that is so great as it is now, or are we getting the launch version? What are we going to get out of EA? And uh, They often have a lot to prove, and yet at the same time, their games make plenty of money. They keep buying them. There's no impetus on or on them to change if people are still financing them with their, their gamer dollars. So I'm looking forward to EA Play for sure. June 11th is going to be a big day, uh, really, because we'll, we'll find out the direction they're trying to approach this next generation in what EA is trying to do. Are they going to be smart delivery? Are they not? They've got weird stipulations on what they're doing with Madden going into next gen. Uh, with with smart delivery being in timed windows according to when you buy w- the new system, the new game. Uh, it's 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 ugly. I don't like it. They should just just call it smart delivery or not. But uh, don't do this in between thing. And I, who knows? Maybe they're trying to appease Sony and whatever it is they're going to be tackling as far as their backward compatibility, forward compatibility uh, philosophies. There, there's there's stuff to examine. June 11th important though, not just for EA Play, but because Cyberpunk's having its showcase. They're going to be uh, highlighting and showing new content in the Cyberpunk universe, including uh, previews of a visual nature and quote. Stuff will be shown, end quote. That is what we get about the Night City Wire event. That's it. Stuff will be shown. I mean, at this point, who's not excited to learn more about Cyberpunk 2077? The game seems to make headlines every single week for really cool things, really strange things, some distressing things. Most recently, uh, they just announced that you could customize your character's genitals in an effort to include as many types of people as possible, meaning that you can fall under any category of representation or gender identity that you like, and you can let that be your character. And that's really, really cool and a progressive take. Will it affect the game? Will it become so political that it distracts from the game? At this point, I don't know how the masses will feel and how it will affect sales, but I'm really interested to see how CD Projekt Red moves forward with this. One of the cooler parts of this game, it is smart delivery, but it won't be upgraded to Series X next-gen level right away. They're not on that right away. They're they're moving towards it at the pace they want to head to. And 
Good on them. They've got money. If you're if you're unfamiliar, CD Projekt, uh, they they make money. They they own and run GOG, which is good old games for PC. They've got an influx of cash outside of just the games they sell in the Witcher series. So they certainly can go about marching to the beat of their own drum. And every time they release a product, they seem to take care of their fans. So I am not in in any way, shape, or form concerned about it. More just curious. More just curious. Last piece of news that I think is worth noting and highlighting is Mortal Kombat 11 is going to be releasing story DLC on May 26th in something that they are calling Aftermath, Mortal Kombat Aftermath, where they will have uh, new characters revealed, three new characters, I believe, including a guest character of RoboCop, which is all the more insane. We've seen the Terminator in there. We've seen some some DC characters in Mortal Kombat 11. Spawn is in Mortal Kombat 11. And now they're going to have RoboCop as well. So now you can have Terminator versus RoboCop. Cool. I love what NetherRealm was doing. And I think NetherRealm has absolutely rocked it in their past few games. Mortal Kombat 11, fantastic. Injustice 2, fantastic the amount of characters they've got guesting into each of these places and these realms huh wonderful love it uh this new expansion has uh, new fatalities new stages friendship fatalities which looks all that much cooler they really are supporting this game far beyond its launch and i appreciate that with a fighting game because i don't want to buy mortal kombat 12 a year after 11 and then the next year and i don't want to have that sports annualized aspect if i'm buying minor upgrades each year or characters i care about ignoring the characters i don't into my fighting game i enjoy that aspect plus netherrealm has done a wonderful job at creating stories that work well in the fighting genre the only real red flag in this is that it's priced for $40 for three characters, stages, and fatalities with the story DLC. Okay, is that $40 for two hours of content or $40 for two hours plus five hours of content plus all the games that I'll play as these new characters? It's tough to judge a fighting game and what value is. $40 feels steep to me based on what I know right now. Uh, and I'm curious, when I when I dove into Mortal Kombat 11, uh, I was given the code, to be very clear, and I have access to all their extra characters, and they have supported that game through and through. If you paid the $90 for everything in Mortal Kombat 11, you have been treated quite well. Quite well. And so I'd have to imagine that uh, it continues to be an ongoing discussion in NetherRealm, how they support their games, when Injustice 3 is coming. We know they are working on a project that is not a fighting game. I believe they've come out right and said they're working on something that's not a fighting game. And given their ability to tell stories, the incredible uh, vision uh, that they have there, and the rather impressive visuals of their cinematics, I'm excited to see what NetherRealm's doing. Because I I think they're pigeonholed with their talent into just a fighting game genre. At the same time, they are serving their communities quite well, so hats off to them. Uh, You know, something to look forward to. May May 26th, NetherRealm's latest expansion for Mortal Kombat 11, if you're a fighting game fan. Uh, And let me know. If you are a fighting game fan, let me know on Twitter, at Ghost what you think of this news. I had a few people write in topics, but in the interest of time, we're only going to take one of them today. Uh, The first one, and only one that we're going to do, came from Edward Varnell with an unexpected question. He says, What keeps Nintendo Direct the strongest delivery of showcasing games, and are some developers not ready for launch because of what was shown at Inside Xbox? That's a, a interesting and layered question there. I don't know that Nintendo Direct is the strongest delivery of showcasing games on a consistent basis, uh, Edward. I think they've been doing it longer, and that certainly lends to their favor. I think they are, do a good job of setting expectations ahead of time. I also think that, like any gaming community, the Nintendo fans, and myself included, lose their minds at the possibility 
of a piece and kernel, a nugget of news that's going to be in one of their directs and are disappointed when not. Similarly, Nintendo seems to get a pass in some respects that other systems do not. Uh, I don't know that PSX has done an especially great job, or PlayStation, what are they calling it? PlayStation Moments? PlayStation... I don't know, whatever their version of a Direct is, I don't know that it's hit it out of the park and done it perfectly every time. They certainly seem to be copying Nintendo's playbook, uh, whereas Inside Xbox has had mixed results, to say the very least. I love the XO events. Sometimes the live events just feel overproduced and they lack a succinct nature. Uh, but I think it has to do with the fact they've been doing it longer. They are, they've been doing it longer. They found a way to keep it clean and... When they first started Nintendo Directs, the Wii U was out. That might have informed the way they didn't want to communicate certain things and they could tailor their narrative quite well. I think this most recent Inside Xbox, whether it was because of work from home or not, it was certainly the most direct of all the Inside Xboxes, and I appreciated that. So maybe that's feedback that needs to be uh, passed on to them. And as far as the, the, the way that the games were showcased and which games were showcased, I don't think it's indicative of uh, a game not being ready to be shown. I'm sure that can be the case in, in, in certain scenarios, but I think this was more about putting themselves out there as Xbox, getting themselves continuously ahead of my, of uh, PlayStation marketing, getting themselves consistently on the map with Series X, Xbox, Series X, Xbox, Series X, Xbox, getting their name out there, games that are going to be on this day and date, allowing their smaller third parties, whether they're indie, double or triple A, allowing them to put their stuff out there ahead of the big heavy hitters so they don't get drowned out by the latest sports game or some of the big, bigger franchise, allowing them to have the showcase, to talk about being in Game Pass, to talk about being in Smart Delivery, to talk about showcasing themselves on new hardware. Giving them time to do that, all the while two months from now, we're going to have uh, the, the the major reveals come out, and Game Fest is starting in less than a month now for, for PlayStation, we think. I think it was a smart move, really and truly, and I think the games in, were informed in a strategy of not letting anyone be overshadowed, because right now the only big heavy hitter we know about uh, and have seen content for is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We won't see Halo Infinite until uh, late or early July, I would imagine. Late June, early July is when I expect to see stuff on Halo Infinite. So I, I think that's more likely the approach that was being taken there. In any case, ladies and gents, I really appreciate you sticking with me through this episode. I had a blast recapping Inside Xbox and chatting some of the digital strategies that are going forward with you. On the next episode of XEP, we're expecting Sissy Jones, the voice actress behind Fury from Darksiders 3, doing additional voices in uh, the Walking Dead franchise, the Halo franchise, a very prolific and profound voice actress from Firewatch will be here joining us talking about her experiences on the next episode. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed last week's Gamers Outreach. Prior to that, Mike Bithel and Motion Twin from for Dead Cells were on. I hope you enjoyed all of those episodes. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to Sissy next week. That's it for me, everybody. Thank you for listening to XEP. Take care. <laughs>